Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard, the podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. Thank you for joining us. In this particular episode, we feature Onyx Single, who is the CEO of Learn Incorporated. This particular conversation is from a playback from Small Business Network at Montgomery Community Media. Onyx topic, the four secrets of millionaire entrepreneurs, actually touches on every element of Boost. So he's going to help you get strategies to build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. So let's listen in. Entrepreneurship is something that is easily taught, but it's not necessarily easily sustainable. And you've got such, I mean, amazing statistics. What is it, like 95% of entrepreneurial ventures fail? Why do you think that is? Why do so many ventures fail? Yeah. Well, it's so, it's not even our statistics. 80% fail within the first 18 months. And then if you go out five years, usually it's it's above 90% that have failed by that point. So when you do the research and you look at the stats, right? So they'll give you the answers of usual, ran out of funding, Walmart moved in, you know, um, competition. And so for the longest time, I believed it. I bought that answer. Now, the more that we've been teaching and training entrepreneurs, so over a million people that we've worked with all over the world, 53% of our students are international. They're not even, mm-hmm. so we get, we get the full walk of life. We get to meet all different kinds of people. And then we get to see the ones that are succeeding. And we get to see the ones that are not. So here we are, we're providing the same coaching, same training, same guidance, same tools, same everything. And we've got some that make it, some that don't. Mm-hmm. And that, that question just plagued me for so long until I started to realize it doesn't have anything to do with running out of capital, you know, competition, product selection. It's really here. Mm. You know, it starts with you first. So most businesses are failing because the entrepreneur was never set up to be an entrepreneur. Where's the class in school when you're growing up? When does a teacher say, you want to be an entrepreneur? Great. You should go through this class and that class. No, we're just not taught. And the skill sets, the mindset, the requirements, the demands of an entrepreneur are so vastly different than even the highest of leaders in existing companies. Mm. And so the problem actually starts not with the business, the model, the funding, the financing. It starts with the entrepreneur that's behind it. And ever since we figured that out, our trainings have changed. We've done more core training around the mindset, around the characteristics, the behavior traits, the the, the day-to-day of an entrepreneur. Um, and the success rate from our students has gone up significantly. So I think most businesses fail because the entrepreneur thinks it's, uh, let me get some money, I have an idea, let me build a business. Mm. It's way more than that. You have to go through a bit of a a shift yourself. Wow, gotcha. And so when we think about entrepreneurship in general and we see new companies popping up Mm. (laughs) moment by moment, it would give one the impression that it's easier now than ever before to Mm -hmm. become an entrepreneur. Is Is that a facade or is that true? What do you find? I think it's true. Okay. It is definitely easier to become an entrepreneur today. Um, it doesn't change that, you know, the success rate has not gone up that much, mm-hmm. right? The percentages have stayed the same. Uh, here's why it's easier. We have the internet. Uh, in the past, 20 years ago, if you want to start a company, you want to start a business, you have to have funding. You have to have the money to set up a physical shop, buy inventory. You know, there's no way around that. Today, with how we become, we've become a global economy. So if I want to start a company, I did. From my dorm room, Mm -hmm. 
I had someone helping me who lived in Canada, in the Philippines, in India, and they were helping me at costs that I could actually afford. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to have an office. I had a virtual digital product. So all of these kinds of mechanics have totally made it easier to become an entrepreneur. Now, I wouldn't say it's become easier to succeed as an entrepreneur. Right. That remains the same because the entrepreneur themselves still have to go through the same structural changes and characteristic changes. But yes, today, if you want to make the break, right, or as I say in my next coming book, escape. If you want to make that, you know, if you want to escape, it is simpler. There's, there's, there's a lot more opportunity today, a lot more opportunity than there was 20 or 30 years ago. So in that, re in that regard, yes, it's easier. Now, I don't want to gloss over one of the things that you said, because mm -hmm. as, I as I gaze the studio, <laughs> I see a number of students in the room. You mentioned mm -hmm. from your dorm room. Mm -hmm. So is that essentially how you started? And do you see more mm -hmm. um, students, the opportunity presenting itself to get started earlier? Absolutely. That is where I started. So um, in high school, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, mm -hmm. Changed My Life. Um, but I didn't actually jump into entrepreneurship. So I went to, uh, I started at UMBC mm -hmm. and I was gonna, I wanted to be a doctor, right? So I'm studying bio and biochem and within a few months, I was, that's not for me. <laughs> um, you know, I'm Indian, so I thought doctor, yay, that's what I gotta be. Um, but within a few months, I realized not, not at all. So I switched over to College Park after two years and started studying business. And again, I was still just as miserable. Mm. So I realized it wasn't about, what I was studying was about the fact that I just wanted to go and do. I wanted to go do something. So um, I didn't have any money, so I turned to the internet, started Googling around, and Google said, I, I filled in, you know, how to make money, and then Google filled in the word online. I thought, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> clicked on that, and next thing, you know, it was a big journey, 18 months of massive struggle, um, trying to figure things out, weeding my way through the little scams, and um, but I eventually prevailed at, at where, you know, where um, I found a system, I found something. So for me today, you said, you know, do I see more college students? Yes, absolutely, more college students are launching businesses. Mm -hmm. But um, now we're seeing high school students. Mm. Um, one of my star students uh, right now that that I've just, I love this kid. He's he's 12 years old. Wow. You know, and he is. I mean, summer for him. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do this summer? I want to build my business. It's like nice. wow. You know, that that's awesome. That so, yeah, is. younger and younger because, again, the, the tools are there, mm -hmm. right? And and it's it, it's becoming simpler. Gotcha. So um, what about this whole notion of, and I know some of these questions I'm throwing him, he's like, wait, we didn't discuss that oh, question. It's all good. Go bloody in your nose, right? We hear this this term, you, you know, you got to bloody your nose a certain number <laughs> yeah. of times in order to really get to the, the your winning yeah. opportunity. Have you? Do you know if, if there's like an average of, hey, by the time you go through two to three ventures, <laughs> that fourth one is going to be? Or what did you find in your own personal journey? Uh, bloody nose, bloody lip, <laughs> bloody eyes, bloody ears. I mean, you name it. Right. Um, I don't think there's a number, right? There's a lot of people that will hit it right with the first one. Mm. Um, I didn't. In that first 18 months, I must have failed over 50 times. Wow. Right? But I was, you know, every week I was trying something different and I was making little tweaks. I don't think there's a number. I think that there are some core principles. So when you're out there doing something and you fail or you make a mistake or something bad happens, mm -hmm. why? Can you answer what went wrong? Because if you can't find the silver lining in it, you're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right. So those who finally do succeed, it, it, it's a it's a staircase. A lot of people come and look at entrepreneurship. You know, a lot of my friends will say this thing to me. And I, it, this is like the worst thing you can say to me. You're lucky. Mm. <sighs> I get chills even thinking about wow, it. I'm yeah. not lucky. Right. I'm up till three in the morning. I'm yeah. up again at six in the morning. You know, I go through major hardships. I've been one point seven million in debt. I've been 26, 27 years old and hiding from phone calls, you know, yeah. and I climbed out of that through absolute grit, hard work. 
and perseverance. That's not luck. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, but with every single thing I do, and I, I was, you know, I teach my students all the time. We fail every day. I fail every day, multiple times, probably 10 times more than I succeed. Mm -hmm. But with each one, I look for what did I learn and how, what will I never do again? Right. And with that, you start to see my success ratio go up mm -hmm. because I'm improving. So there's no particular number, but an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they suffer some losses or they suffer some hardships, I should say, mm -hmm. in their first venture, and that's enough to discourage them. Right. If that really keeps you up at night and you just can't digest it, it's okay. But then entrepreneurship in its traditional sense of starting your own company, it's not for you. Yeah. Because you'll go through that all the time. Now, what about this whole notion? Because I think as a society, we're raising a generation of this perception of, oh, everyone's a winner. <laughs> you know, you're not, no, you're, everyone's a winner. Yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. So are we doing a disservice? Because to your point, yeah. you're from the way that you talk about failure, it sounds like failure is perhaps a good thing because it's, mm -hmm. it's at least taking you down a, a pathway yeah. to help you to then identify what works. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that whole, Ooh. everybody gets a trophy notion? All right, so safe space here to say yeah, whatever absolutely. I feel. What, what, what happens at MCM stays yeah. at MCM. <laughs> Only and gets on broadcasted YouTube. everywhere. Um, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I mean, uh, the whole notion of, so uh, my, my nephew, uh, who I love to death, you know, he, he got very, we were playing a game. And I'm not going to go easy just because you're sick. I'm going to give it all I got. You know, and he gets really upset when he loses. And I'm like, get better. Right. You know, and <laughs> I just, that's probably just how my dad was with me. But I find it inspires me to be better. And um, so, so, you know, I look at that and I wonder what, what's going on in school, what, yeah. what he's being taught that, that get, makes him so entitled to win mm. uh, just because he participated. Right. And I don't think that that's a service to, to kids. I don't think that's a service to us. I don't think that's a service to society, human, like human life, mm -hmm. because we're going to stop excelling. We're going to stop innovating. Um, unless we are challenged, unless there is a reason to win, unless, you know, you are out there trying to achieve goals, achieve dreams. And there is a difference between something not working and something working. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the problem is that people are trying to, people feel so bad when something doesn't work. I feel bad too, but I feel hopeful because I realize here's something that didn't work. Now let me do the next thing until I make it work. Mm. It's just a different perspective. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I've heard you mention this notion of a new entrepreneur, like a, there's a new mm -hmm. entrepreneur coming up. And so how would you tell me more about this new entrepreneur that you envision? Yeah, so it's not even me. It's not my vision. I wish it was. Um, it started in Silicon Valley actually years ago, years ago. So um, I'm sure a lot of people in this room have a Google email. How many people have a Google email address? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That was a result of what we call intrapreneurship. Mm -hmm. There was an individual at Google who was given tons of freedom, a team, a budget. He actually had this idea and went out and created it within the infrastructure of a parent company. Right. Uh, Sony PlayStation was invented by an employee at Sony who took it upon himself to innovate on top of the Nintendo system. Um, lots of the greatest products that we use are created through intrapreneurship, which means there are now individuals within the larger infrastructure that are being given freedom by these companies and budgets and teams that they can lead. And that is, that's, that's powerful because it removes a lot of aspects of entrepreneurship that are tough for people. 
and it adds that little bit of security back in, but allows you to innovate, allows you to still function as what we would consider an entrepreneur and have that freedom. Um, and it's a budding concept right now. Some of the greatest successes and innovations coming into this world are coming from entrepreneurship. And some of the biggest companies, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Google, Yahoo, all of these companies are deploying Amazon, um, you know, are deploying entrepreneurship. So there's a huge opportunity there. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and I'm a big believer in that as well, because when you think about it, employers are identified. They want a workforce of yeah. problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all an entrepreneur is someone who sees a gap and fills, fills it, it, right? Yeah. And so what, what employee can't do that? Everyone, I think, is positioned yeah. to do that. Yeah. Awesome. So as we start winding down our portion of the, the yeah. conversation, there's this whole notion of these four stages or secrets mm -hmm. um, of a millionaire entrepreneur that students don't learn in school, that's sure. not taught in school. I'd like for you to, to enlighten us sure. with, that, with those stages. So I, I spent years trying to figure this out, right? Because like I said, one of the things that just plagued me was, why do we have some students that are just absolutely doing great and some that are not? So I created this acronym as I went through it. And I, and I did a lot of introspection on myself. Mm -hmm. My good days, my bad days. I did research on some of the most you know, talked about entrepreneurs in the world that have changed the face of humanity. And I started to find consistent trends. And it led right to an acronym that I call ESCAPE, right? So ESCAPE, how to go from employee to entrepreneur. So E to E. Mm -hmm. And there's the four acronym, the four letters in between, S-C-A-P. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that those, those four letters really represent uh, four things that are never taught to us that happen to be near and dear to what creates entrepreneurial success. So first is self, right? That's the foundation. It's the concrete of your home. What, how, do you, how do you think about money? What are your beliefs about wealth? What are your beliefs about hard work? There's paradigms involved. There's certain amounts of, for example, do you read books? Do you take courses? Do you take classes? Do you go out of your way to improve yourself? There's certain characteristics you have to build. Now, we're not taught these things in school. Right? We're not taught what's a paradigm. We're not taught how to develop our own feelings and thoughts and beliefs about wealth, about money, about, you know, many people grow up thinking being rich is evil. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, if you're going to do that and then you want to go become wealthy, you've got a problem right from day one. Yeah. Number two, we, we move right. And so so I really look at these as kind of steps. So you go from self, which is S, to C, which is catapult. And really what I mean by catapult is creating momentum. This is another big thing that we see with our students who are struggling is that they want to they want to take the elevator or they want to take the escalator. <laughs> right. right. I want to go from bam to bam. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm here. I want to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Right. And I'm just I, I want the big win. I want to win the lottery mm -hmm. versus I'm going to take my big goal, break it down into smaller you know, goals and create momentum. So one of the things that we'll do with entrepreneurs or students who come to me who are struggling the most. You know, they're, in, they're, they're down and out. They're, I will literally say something even as funny as, what's, what would you love to eat right now? Like, what's one food that you would love? And they're like, oh, I'd love a burger. Great. Get your keys. Get, your, get in your car. Go get yourself a burger and come back and we'll continue to talk. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? I said, let's get the small wins. Let's get momentum going. Mm -hmm. You want something. You go. You make it happen. You come back. You get to build off of that now. Let's turn the negative momentum going on in your business and let's turn it around. Mm -hmm it's gonna be one tiny thing at a time, so that's catapult. If you master momentum, you can actually create some pretty big things. Um, and you move from there right into one of my personal favorites, which is truly not taught in school, is authority, A, authority, which really is leadership, 
right? In school, we have class leaders. Well, you have 40 kids in a class and one class leader, right? You have uh, teams, you know, so students play sports, 60 people on a team, one captain. Mm -hmm. So the odds of you actually getting a chance to lead, to develop those skills are drastically against you, especially if you're a little shy or a little reserved, others will always take those opportunities. I was one of the ones that would always take them. I would always step up, right? So is it too late? No, it's never too late to still refine these skills. So we go over some of the core characteristics of really establishing authority, because if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be able to establish authority, whether it be over your team, over your idea, or over your customers. You have to be able to, if you're going to drive customers to buy from you, it's because you have some authority in that topic. Right. And then last but not least, this is the most difficult and the most influential is P, people. Mm. What's your environment? Who are there people around you? What are you, you know, are you surrounding yourself with the people that can actually excel you and move you up? Um, so in that, we talk a lot about the influence that mentors have had on me and on every successful entrepreneur, the environments that we build, choice. Right. So what I choose to do, I mean, when I went to University of Maryland College Park, I never went to one basketball game or one football game. Mm. Not one. I wow. went to my first basketball game three years after graduating. And people and all my friends would go, well, it was choice. Mm -hmm. Those three hours, I'll never get back. What do I do with these three hours? Right. So I invested them in myself rather than in, in cheering, cheering our basketball team. So we talk a lot about how you build that environment. And that's peace. So these are the four things that I truly wish we could learn in school from day one and master that way when we wanted to become an entrepreneur, we would be far, far, far more prepared. And it wouldn't just be about funding idea and the, the mechanics or the tactics. There'd be a lot more deeper knowledge there. Good morning. I'm Lori Wiggins. I'm CEO of Beyond. The studies that I see, while there's a lot of focus in the press on younger entrepreneurs, there's also a large body of older entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, those in their 50s that have spent years in corporate America or working for others, they've gotten a lot of expertise and they go, hmm, I think I want I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you have any advice specifically for the older entrepreneur, um, if you work with them and so forth. Sure. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. And so there's the good and the bad of that, right? So first of all, you're right. There's actually a very, there are there's data out there showing how fast the entrepreneurship rate amongst those above about 40 or 45 is growing because of how disgruntled they've become with corporate America and just having a job. Yep. The problem is you've also been in that environment for 20, 30 years. So you've built certain habits and core ways of functioning that make it more difficult to just quickly adapt. So someone who's making that transition, I would say spend literally two to three times the amount of time learning and uh, leadership, going through entrepreneurship classes, and you have to learn to think different. You have to learn to literally, I mean, you go through 20, 30 years of being in a job, you are probably the most systematic, procedural, by the document, this is step one, step two. And when you become an entrepreneur, you gotta throw all that into the trash, right? Um, my favorite story is my mentor was starting a company, asked me to help him shift through resumes, he was looking for some, some people to help lead the, the new venture, told me, pull all the MBAs and pull them out into this pile next to me. So, oh great, you're looking for the MBAs. I just pulled them all out. When I was done, he took them and he just threw them right in the trash. Wow. He didn't want to deal with the MBAs. And I said, why? He said, not, not in startups. We don't have time for all that procedures and policies. We need to just move. And so I really find that that generation just needs to really accept and do some self-work to understand, okay, what I'm doing is so different on a day-to-day -day basis, on a psychological basis than what I've been trained to do. So mm -hmm. I need to step out, relearn, and then step back in. Thank you. Yeah. 
That's an interesting perspective. But yeah, to your point, it's you've almost you've got to unlearn what you've been yes. doing all yes. that time or relearn. Right. Things, yeah. yeah. Hello, Hi. Bill Carbaugh. I'm with Guardian Realty. On a day-to-day -day basis, I have to make decisions on whether to lease to many entrepreneurs. What are the three or four key things that I should look at to see whether I think they're going to be successful so we both win? Ah, that's, that's a great question. Yeah, um, so I will tell you that uh, one of the key things I think is their resilience. If you can find times that they've been down, times where they've had struggles, um, and come out of it. So for example, for me, I've been 1.7 million in debt when I was 26, 27 years old. I've owed absolutely everybody money, including my dad's home being mortgaged. Mm. I came out of that in 16 months. That There's a core ability there that when we talk to, when I talk to banks, that's the first thing I tell them. You know, you would say, why would you tell a bank that you've been in debt before? Because I want them to understand that I've been there, I've been, I've been through the bad already, I understand how it goes. I would also really look at their team. Because a great entrepreneur will build a very impressive surrounding around themselves. So if you're dealing with their assistant, booking appointments, if you're dealing with someone on their marketing team or tech team, how good are they? How, how, how on top of things are they? Because no entrepreneur can do it alone. And a great entrepreneur, a great leader, builds an amazing team around them. That's how they evaluate themselves based on that. Um, the last but not least is uh, how new are they to it? Really, it's just if, if, for example, if they've been in corporate for 30 years, but they got fed up, they had saved a lot of money, decided to go into business, that in and of itself is not going to be enough confidence. But have they been doing this for five years? Have they been an entrepreneur before? Have they been through multiple ventures? Um, because the old saying, you know, how you do one thing, you know, you do all things. Mm. Um, and I think that if you have an entrepreneur who has had past success, has sold companies, they're, they're, they're going to sell another company. It's just they're going to repeat that cycle. So history, I think, and, and is, is a big, big driver is what I would say. Thank you. Yeah. So that was Onyx Single. Tons of great wisdom bombs there. But the one that I really want to focus in on is the power of associations. I've heard it once said that if you hang out with nine broke friends, you're bound to be the 10th one. So watch your associations. Go out, be brave, and surround yourself with other brave individuals. Thank you again for joining us. This concludes our episode. I want to thank Montgomery Community Media and the team for allowing us to use this audio for playback. Again, thank you for your time. And don't forget to share the podcast with your family, your friends, your entire professional network. And for more information on how we can help you to boost your business success, visit our website, www.kellytleonard.com.